on inheriting. Bao Trong was born in the U.S., but he longs for Vietnam, a country his father left behind. Being homesick for a, a place that's never been home. So how does he tell his dad that? Listen to Inheriting from LAS Studios and the NPR Network, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jesse Thorne, host of Bullseye, inviting you to a live taping of my show with my pal, actor and comedian, Paul Scheer. It's June 13th at the Crawford. Get your tickets now at laist.com slash events. LAist Studios. Your host, Brian De Los Santos, here with a quick note. We recorded this interview you're about to hear on the approach to the homelessness crisis in California and Los Angeles before some news broke this week. That comes from LA's senior reporter Nick Gerda. He found that the federal government has granted a waiver to the city of LA that will remove a proof of income paperwork requirement that has slowed down Mayor Karen Bass's ability to house people experiencing homelessness. The waiver is expected to fast-track the housing process for hundreds of people looking to move from the streets and shelters into longer-term housing. Now, on to the episode. California likes to pride itself on being a place that's ahead of the curve and sets trends where other states, even countries, might take some lessons. But when it comes to solutions to the homelessness crisis, maybe California could stand to learn something from someplace else. Deep in the heart of Texas. This is How to LA, the podcast that helps you navigate your city better. I'm your host, Brian De Los Santos. California and Texas are, of course, very different states with different costs of living and regulations. And there's no one-size-fits-all approach to solving homelessness. But the fact is that while the population of unhoused people in Texas has decreased by 20% since 2012, in California, during the same period, our unhoused population grew by 43%. CalMatters homelessness reporter Marisa Kendall has been looking at the different approaches to homelessness in the two states and has done a really interesting multi-part series for their site. Thanks for joining me today, Marisa. Thanks for having me. So what was it that you came across that first led you to make this comparison between California and Texas? Yeah, so I started getting interested in this issue because I noticed that leaders from California were actually traveling to Texas to see what the state and what cities in the state were doing to combat their homelessness crises, including a group of leaders from L.A. who went to Houston last year. Uh, came back and said, you know, we're, we're going to try to do some of these things and try to be a little bit more like Houston, which was so interesting because you don't usually think of California looking to Texas as a model for anything related to social services. So for context, California and Texas are huge states, but what's the unhoused population like in each? Can you kind of like describe a little bit of what each state is facing when it comes to this issue? Both have sizable homelessness crises. But Texas has managed to really shrink its population over the past 10 years. And Texas also has fewer unhoused people per capita. They have 81 people who are homeless for every 100,000 residents. And in California, the rate is five times worse. Mm. So just by those numbers, Texas is, is doing a better job fighting this. 
But there's a lot working against California that is not easy for California to change. Um, you know, the, the median rent for a one bedroom apartment is about twice as much in L.A. as it is in Houston, for example. And you particularly looked at three cities, which is Houston, Austin and San Antonio. Can we start with Austin and its community first village, you know, kind of explaining what is it and how it helped with the homelessness issue in that city? So that's a really interesting program. It's this giant village of tiny homes and RVs. It's 51 acres right outside of Austin city limits and several hundred homeless people live there. They're adding more homes every day. Um, but what makes it really different from what anything or what most things that California is doing is that it's permanent housing. And it's not just housing. They have all of these really interesting amenities, a fishing pond that's stocked with fish. They have a ceramic studio. They have a game room. They have all these gardens and they even have a columbarium where you can be interred after you die on the property. Wow, that sounds super interesting. So it kind of sounds like a dream project for a city like Austin. Do you know of any drawbacks? Yeah, so the main thing that came up with that model is some of the tiny homes don't have their own bathrooms. Hmm. So they have uh, communal bathrooms that are shared with other residents. And that doesn't really meet the definition of permanent housing that's set by the federal right. government. So some activists question whether we should accept that as a long-term housing solution if there are no bathrooms in the unit. So how about California? And I'm particularly thinking about L.A. You know, it's the number one issue here when it comes to politics and policy. Have any California cities been able to replicate this type of model? There have been a few that have done it, but at a much smaller scale. Land is just harder to come by here in California and everything's so much more expensive. But there's a village called Goodness Village in Livermore that started a couple years ago, and they're doing pretty much exactly the same thing. Permanent housing for folks in these really cute, tiny homes. They've got all these amenities. They have a chicken coop where residents can tend the chickens. They call them chicken tenders. <laughs> and there's another one in the San Joaquin Valley that is being built right now. And then people in Bakersfield and Silicon Valley want to replicate this model, but they don't have the funding yet to do so. Can we talk a little bit more about that issue you said? Like, there's like a land issue. Yeah, so I think that just goes hand in hand with California's housing crisis and what California is able to build compared to Texas. Last year, Texas permitted more than twice as many homes that, as California, even though we have 9 million more residents. Houston, for example, doesn't have any zoning requirements. And Texas, if you're in an unincorporated county, which this Austin tiny home community is, there's no zoning. You know, that probably wouldn't fly in most places in California. L.A., for example, has four dozen different zoning districts, each with its own zoning requirements. So it just seems like it would be so hard to get something like that built in L.A. After the break... More on my conversation with CalMatters homelessness reporter, Marisa Kendall. Support for LAist comes from Apple TV Plus, presenting Monarch, Legacy of Monsters, starring Kurt Russell, Wyatt Russell, Anna Sawai, and Godzilla. Two siblings follow in their father's footsteps to uncover his involvement with Monarch, a secretive organization connected to Godzilla. TV Line says this series is incredible, and Empire roars that it's epic. 
Following this podcast, you can hear remarks by father and son acting duo Kurt Russell and Wyatt Russell and executive producer Chris Black. More on Monarch Legacy of Monsters at fyc.appletvplus.com. Support for LAS comes from FX's Reservation Dogs. From co-creators and executive producers Sterling Harto and Taika Waititi, the Peabody-winning series follows four indigenous teenagers in rural Oklahoma. Starring Devery Jacobs, DeFerro Wunatai, Paulina Alexis, and Lane Factor. Television Academy members can watch the final season of Reservation Dogs at fxnetworks.com slash fyc. Welcome back to How to LA. Here's more of my conversation with CalMatters reporter Marisa Kendall about the differences between California and Texas in their problems with homelessness and their solutions. You know, I wonder if anything else is at play here. Yes, there's space, there's policy, but funding, let's talk about funding. You know, federal funding can also play into this. Can you explain how? Yeah. So um, Houston gets an outsized amount of federal funding. They, uh, in 2021, they got uh, $45 million in federal funds, which is equal to about $14,000 per homeless person in the Houston area. You compare that to LA County, which got more federal funding, but they have a lot more people. So that equated to just $2,000 per homeless person. Hmm. So on the other hand, Houston does not put any city money towards homelessness, which is much different from the way LA fights the problem. Um, and then also California cities get a lot more state funding, right? So Texas doesn't put much state resources into homelessness. They put less than $20 million into their three main programs last year, whereas California put almost $2 billion. And I think it's important to point out, you know, it's, it's really Houston as a city that's getting mm. so much of that federal funding. Houston says it's because they're doing such a good job. They have these results. Uh, they have something to show for the funding, and they're being rewarded for that. The government wouldn't really comment on that and, and wouldn't really explain exactly what goes into those algorithms. But there are incentives for communities that do a good job. So can you kind of break it down what Houston is doing and what some officials want to replicate here in L.A. or across California? One of the main things that officials in Houston stressed as a key contributor to their success was this sense of collaboration between what the city was doing, the county was doing, and what the local nonprofits and even the private sector were doing. So they created this combined approach so everyone was working together, pooling all their resources. And when this uh, delegation of officials from LA County visited, that was the main takeaway that they had. They said, you know, we want to try to emulate this collaboration because LA has not always been great at that. Within the county, they have four different government groups that all ask separately for state homelessness funding. Um, and they sometimes, you know, are not rowing in the same direction. But apparently the county is trying to create a new collaborative commission uh, that would be modeled after Houston's. Another interesting thing is the mayor's new Inside Safe program mm -hmm. to clear encampments from city streets. Uh, looks a lot like what Houston is doing in terms of its uh, process to clear encampments. Houston is moving methodically encampment by encampment. When it targets one encampment, it will move 
everyone from that camp together into their brand new navigation center. And from there, move them into housing. And it's, it's working pretty well. The navigation center is really nice. Uh, it's got like a 95% success rate at getting people housed in an average of just 30 days. LA is trying to do something like that. They're moving folks encampment by encampment into hotels. But the problem is they just don't have the housing. So they only have a 6% success rate so far at getting people from those hotels into housing. Wow. I kind of want to pick your brain here. You know, what kind of sense do you have how California might still replicate some of these approaches despite, you know, the difference between the states, the funding, the space? Yeah. um, You know, another thing that Houston is doing is just a really strict focus on permanent housing. Um, Instead of spending any public money really on shelters, which, you know, essentially are a short-term Band-Aid, they are focusing on permanent housing, which is the long-term solution. Um, You know, California might, in California cities, might stand to learn from that. You know, experts always say, the solution to homelessness is housing. Um, so while you know it is it is all well and good to try to mitigate people's suffering and get them out of encampments and into some of these temporary solutions that we've set up all over California, like these really rudimentary tiny homes, trailers, hotels, you have to think about the end game. Like in LA, you can't just leave people in these hotels forever. I think we really need to step up our permanent housing focus. Marisa, thank you so much for joining me today. You're so welcome. That was Marisa Kendall. She reports on California's homelessness crisis for CalMatters. And now on that statistic about Inside Safe Marisa mentioned, since we last spoke, the program is now averaging an 8% success rate in getting people housed. For more reporting specifically on the Mayor's Inside Safe program, check out Nick Curdo's ongoing reporting at Elias.com. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of How to LA. This was produced by Monica Bushman. Our other producers are Mega Botel, Victoria Alejandro, and Evan Jacoby. One last thing. I would appreciate it if you share this episode with someone you know. Any bit of love helps us. Alrighty, y'all. That's it for me today. Hasta mañana. Support for this podcast is made possible by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe that quality journalism makes Los Angeles a better place to live. Support for LAist comes from Apple TV Plus, presenting Monarch Legacy of Monsters, starring Kurt Russell, Wyatt Russell, Anna Sawai, and Godzilla. Father and son acting duo Kurt Russell and Wyatt Russell play older and younger versions of Lee Shaw, the founder of Monarch a secretive organization connected to Godzilla. As actors and team players, Kurt and Wyatt have a lot in common. We've had a similar life. His game was hockey, mine was baseball. One point in our lives, it was how we were going to make our living. To apply that to our business, I don't know how to look at life other than as a a win-lose ball ball game. I think we're the type of people that we want to be impact players. And you want to help your club win every time you go out there. Whether that club's a movie set, a story you're telling, on the ice, on the baseball field. I think we realize that we are much more alike than we are different. <laughs> Here's executive producer Chris Black. I think it should be about this family. I think it should be about secrets. It should be about a pair of siblings discovering each other and discovering that their father could not be trusted and was not the man he said he was. That's what brings them together and sends them on 
a quest, if you will, to find out the truth about the family and their father. And it's that journey that takes you into the world of the monsters. For Kurt and Wyatt Russell, being so close helped them sort out how to both play the same character. We worked together quite a bit. We worked together well. What's been your most favorite part of the show? When I was working with you on trying to figure Lee Shaw out, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then taking it to the guys and saying, what do you think? Uh, who is this guy? What, where's he going to go? Where did he come from? And doing that, doing that with you, I've, I've actually never done that really with much with another actor, but I've never played the same, the same role. <laughs> <laughs> so that was fun. TV Line says Monarch Legacy of Monsters is incredible and Empire roars that it's epic. More on Monarch Legacy of Monsters at fyc.appletvplus.com.